This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammy here. Today on the show, Theo Germain, star of Work in Progress on Showtime, star of The Politician on Netflix, all-around charming person. I love talking to Theo. Also, let's say you are somebody who loves me. Well, great news. I'm doing a live show here in LA, July 19th. I'm doing two live shows in New York, August 26th and 27th. Let's go ahead and see you there. And let's say you don't live in LA or New York, but you think, I love Cammy. How can I keep Query going? Well, one thing that has happened this year is that I launched a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash heyqueeros. And y'all have donated enough, not donated, patronized this show enough that I honestly make enough money doing it that it seems vaguely reasonable. <laughs> like, this is still not a moneymaker, but now I can pay Sierra. And that honestly means the world to me. Well, I was paying her before, but I was just paying her out of my own pocket. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to continue making this show. Do you want to support this show? Well, let me just name some of the people who already have. Brittany Carlson, Paula Vavadowski, Kevin Fry, Ethan Peterson, Stacey M., Chloe Vicker, Beck, Lane Spears, Jennifer Hunt, Aaron Altacruz, Bobby Dalmier, Dalmeyer, Chantal McClelland, Peg Gardner, Audrey Rauer, Levon Suwake, Rachel McIntyre, Tanya Josick, Jamie, Hannah Booth, Mara Barra, Jen Graf Perkins, Fiona Ding, Danny Elkhorn, Amy A., Lauren Snodgrass, Catherine Michaels, Liesel Jensen, and also Brenda Esposito, who is my mom. I didn't tell her to do that. Look, you too could be my mom. And all you have to do is support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash heyqueeros. You can subscribe to support this podcast for like a dollar a month. You can also give like $25 a month. People do that. But you could you could just give me a dollar. You know, we have a huge group of Patreon patrons But do you know how many more people listen to this show than our patrons? Like tens of thousands. So in some ways you are shitting the bed also. Look, be like my mom and give birth to me. But if you can't do that, support this show on Patreon. Please enjoy this episode with Theo. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Theo Germain, and I am an actor who does stuff, and I'm currently based (laughs) in Chicago. (laughs) Ah, that was going to be like one of my first questions is, where are you currently based? Um, You're in, you're in Chicago. Where, how, what, what neighborhood do you live in? You can also tell me that you don't want to, you don't want to disclose that. (laughs) <laughs> I live on the south side of the city versus the north side of the city, we'll say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm from Chicago. 
And yes, I remember. You remember? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I remember is a great answer. Do you mean like from a time of overlapping Chicago-ness? Uh, no, I actually don't know when you were in Chicago, but I remember you coming back to do a show sometime in the past three to five years. years. Yeah. And okay, I, three to five. <laughs> yes, in the past three to five years that I couldn't go to. Um, because I was probably working on a play or something like that. Uh, so yes, but I, I don't remember. I, I, I do not know exactly when you were in Chicago or before you left. Yeah, I was. I lived in Chicago. Well, I grew, I'm from there. I grew up in the suburbs and then I lived there from like 2006 to 2012 um, again as an adult. And I say all of that because, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I have experience in what it is like doing live performance in Chicago and how that feels very specific to me. Um, yeah, because it's not New York. Um, and it doesn't have like the end goal is not like Broadway. Um, and it's also not LA. So the end goal is not necessarily television. Um, although there's more of that now than there was when I was, there. Um, so it just was an interesting experience as an artist because it's kind of like performance for performance's sake, um, which I haven't encountered in other cities. I mean, there, I think that's true of a lot of smaller cities, but Chicago is such a large city yeah. with such a vibrant performance scene. And it's sort of like the whole point of it is to be out doing work. I don't know if that's your experience, but it's it was a very specific place for me to start doing stand-up. I specifically, uh, I'm, I'm from Illinois. I was born in Southern Illinois and grew up in various different places in Southern and suburb and central Illinois. Um, so Chicago is kind of the only place that I was like, this is the only place that I know that I can go. Los Angeles and New York are way too big. And I did not grow up in a large area or near a city. And I went into theater. I didn't do, um, I have not done improv and I've not done, I've not done anything at second city or, or anything like that. So I think that maybe there's some perspective that I don't have because I went straight into like, you know, auditioning for musicals and like trying to get in Chicago Shakespeare theater and, and, and stuff like that. Um, but I definitely, I definitely feel that there's a really, really, really rich like storefront community here. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who, are very, very proud to be here and they don't want to go anywhere else. Um, yes. Yeah. That's kind of been That's my kind experience. of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. So like a just different, different flavor of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, plus, I, I mean, for me, I felt like I was friends with artists that did a lot of different mediums. So I had, I had friends that worked at, that were working actors at a bunch of different places, places like Chicago Shakes or, or Looking Glass or whatever. Um, but then I also had friends who were like dancers and it felt like to me for all of it, it was, a uh, yeah, I guess I just, I, I just distinguish it like m moving out to LA. People are very focused on live performance, like as a means to getting somewhere else, as opposed to as the, the end is to yeah. be here doing this thing, yeah which is a different, it breeds like a different type of community. If everybody's sort of bought in to being here doing this versus yeah. if people are focused on, on getting something from this. Um, I, is that at all what your experience has been like, or has it been different than that? Um, I, 
I mean, I very, very much, I got out of college and I very, very much was like, this is going to be my job and my life. I want to do this for a living. I want to make a, I want to make my paycheck perform, you know, pay my rent performing. Um, so sometimes I, I definitely had some tunnel vision because I was just like, I was, I was so focused. Like maybe I kind of had a little bit of an LA mindset, maybe a little bit. Because I was like, this gig will get, you know, maybe will take me to this and this will maybe expose me to this sort of thing. And I didn't know if I really wanted to do stuff like, you know, Broadway or go to New York or stuff like that, which I totally would do now. Um, I really, really, really wanted to transition into TV and film. And so uh, sometimes I was... And you did that. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was, I honestly, I was like really, really busy and I was working all the time and I probably wasn't very good at all times. Mm. Uh, and so sometimes I think maybe I was so busy. I wasn't totally aware of what everybody else was up to. Um, and there's, that's interesting. I mean, that does sound a little different than what maybe most folks are doing. Keep going, keep going. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, I also have, um, less experience participating in storefront theater and I have more experience participating in, um, some of the larger theaters that are a little more commercial in the area, which is kind of just what happened um, by chance. The first professional gig that I booked out of school was at the Goodman uh, Theater, which was like a really, really big deal. Um, and then I just kind what of... What were you doing there? What I was, was the do- show? I was doing a play called The Matchmaker. Um, it's like what became Hello, Dolly, the musical. Uh, it was one of the people that's like a fellow there or an artistic associate there is really, really into the work of Thornton Wilder. And so it was kind of a passion project for him. And um, I was just like, had no idea what I was doing and was very nervous, had never worked at a huge theater before, was, you know, very green and was kind of, it was just like a crash course in professional theater, I think. Um, Sometimes I kind of felt like I was just trying really hard and then I kept booking gigs and I didn't always know what was going on. Uh, but I was like, yes, I'm acting. I love this. Um, also, every experience is new. And I'm from a farm town. What's going on? Um, that that was kind of my experience. Yeah, I have some follow-up questions. What? Where are you from in Southern Illinois? Uh, well, I was born near Carbondale, where Southern Illinois University is. And then I grew sure. up near Champaign-Urbana, where the University of Illinois is, which is where I went to college. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's 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 also like some added context. Cause yeah, I mean, that is at Southern Illinois, but also cities where there would be an influx of students. So what was the, what's, what was that your experience of the vibe in those places? Because I, I think there are some places in Southern Illinois where you um, would, would probably get like no exposure to things outside of that environment. And then there's places that are like a, you know, university hub like that it seems a little different to me. Yeah. I don't remember my time in the Southern Illinois area because I was very little. Um, but my experience of mostly, I spent most of my time in Central Illinois. Um, I was able to go and visit the college town and that's, there, there was not, there was really nothing to do in my town really at all because it was really, really small. Um, so I would, I would get to go to the college town and like get to do stuff like go to the mall or like go to the Halloween store or like go to Skateland or, um, go to, you know, events that were happening at the university. Um, and there are some ways in which I think I was really, really sheltered just because like, you know, I grew up 
not knowing anybody else like me until I was an adult. Um, I grew up in a town where it really was like the, the female gym teachers who, you know, maybe were kind of butch were like relentlessly made fun of because of their gender presentation and because they weren't married. Um, so yeah, that's actually kind of, now I'm like thinking about it. Yeah. There were some things that I was really exposed to and there were some things that I was really, really just not, not exposed to. Um, city life is super different than where I lived, like super different. Well, that sounds really challenging. Um, yeah. the, you know, I, I, <laughs> My my equivalent to that was that everybody, and I've talked about this on the, before on the podcast, but like everybody that I knew that had like a sort of a gender variation thing going on was um, uh, in the clergy because Whoa. I like grew up in really Catholic environments. So there weren't, I didn't really, there weren't really like single people who lived around where, like that I knew, like adults, you know, there weren't really single adults who, but there were a lot of people who were like priests and nuns who had like the variable sort of haircuts or like clothing or whatever. Um, that was the only place I saw that. Um, so that is a wild experience also. <laughs> Whoa. I narrowly avoided Catholic school. My mom's side of the family is Catholic. And so I almost had a very different kind of experience growing up that involved different kinds of religion, but well, now I want to ask you questions about what was that like? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, for me, I didn't like understand what was going on until like now. I mean, I just think I think like that wasn't I think the the other thing that was true at the time is that like because it would be an insult to assume anything about somebody like mm -hmm. to assume uh, like gender variation or like to assume that somebody was on the like in queer at all like that was so that was. That was like the joke about those folks, but it also was wild because I actually don't think anybody like, well, at least not the kids. I don't think anybody like really thought that was real. So it's funny because like the joke, I think, was probably actually reality, you know, like I think. But it was it was only at the superficial level of joking around, um, which is wild because then even those people were sort of invisible because that was just like that was like like what are they gay? You know? And it was like, you know, but like the, yes, <laughs> like, yes, is the answer, you know? Um, so I think that, uh, it was sort of a, in my case, it was sort of a, I don't know. It was like a full erasure, I guess is what I would say. Cause there was both the joke, but then the, the joke wasn't taken seriously. What about in your experience? Um, well, I, I'm not the only, the first thing that I, that I thought of was, uh, I'm not the only queer person in my family. And I distinctly remember being in the sixth grade and getting past notes in class because somehow students had found out that like somebody else did not, I mean, people didn't know that I was queer yet, but had learned that somebody was queer in some sort of way in my family. And, and, mm -hmm. um, people were like, this person's this way. Does that mean that you're this way too? And like, it was Hmm. just kind of like shelter and dated. And, and my, my high school also, I learned did not get a GSA until like a year or two years ago, I think maybe like 2019 or 2018 or something like that. Um, and, um, my experience of understanding what my gender identity was and what my sexuality was, was just like, I knew what I was, but I just didn't talk about it to most people because I was like, I need to, I need to get out and go find and go try to find other people that are like me 
and try to find more of a community because it's just, it's, it's just not, it's not here. And I really, really need to be happy and I need to have more exposure. So you were Um, aware of that. You like had the awareness that that was there for you. I, yeah, I did sometimes and I didn't because like, I, it's like, I, I knew, I knew I was trans really, really early, but I didn't really know what it was. And I knew that I was in the bisexual, pansexual part, um, very early. And I was like, yes, cool. And then a lot of people were very gender norm- normative and, you know, very heterosexual. And I was like, oh no, people are not going to know what to do with this. I, uh, is this bad? I don't really know. And then by the time I was, you know, in high school, I was like, we need to get out. We need to make a game plan. You know, we need to try to figure out how to deal with these feelings. We need to try to figure out how to deal with this, like, you know, internalized transphobia and this internalized like biphobia. I grew up with a lot of biphobia, um, a lot of it, you know, coming towards me and a lot of nasty things being said about bisexual people specifically. Um, so yeah, it was like a combination of like shame and confusion and like kind of being conditioned to think that certain things were bad, but being like, no, and trying to fight it and then getting out as quickly as I could. Um, and then I wound up and we, in Chicago. Eventually. I was going to ask, was you, was you of I getting out or was that you weren't yet there when Mo- you were at college? Moving out, uh, was like the first step, um, getting, getting away was the first step. Uh, and then sh- getting to Chicago and getting out of school was kind of the second step. Um, I was also in a position where I was like, I knew that I wanted to be an actor and I wanted to do creative stuff. Um, but I knew that I needed some kind of education. I was like, I need some kind of education beyond high school if I am personally going to get anywhere. And so, uh, I guess community college and then university was the, like the game plan to like really get to, you know, transition and like move on and go somewhere else. Yeah. If that all makes sense. It does. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking about you like in this, you know, sort of going to school already knowing that there's like an additional step maybe ahead for you in terms of like moving to Chicago. And what was that time like? I mean, were you, did you have, were you able to have friends and and a community or was it, you know, I just would imagine it's, there's one thing to be like in this situation and think like, okay, I need to get out. But then there, because there's this like middle place that you're sort of talking about, I'm curious about you know, how that was for you? I think that my middle place, honestly, was, oh my God. Uh, When I was 18, I was like taken in by a burlesque troupe um, in central Illinois that still functions. It's this, uh, this group called Carnival de Bosch and they would perform at you know, bars and festivals and things like that. And, um, I had a friend who was working with them and, and knew that like, I was in need of, I was in need of community and just in need of like being around a ton of other freaks, honestly. (laughs) Um, and so I, I started working with a burlesque troupe and, um, I did that for a few years and that was kind of what I was doing while I was in community college and transitioning into university before I got so swept up in a conservatory style program that I wasn't even sleeping. Um, uh, lots of thoughts on conservatory style (laughs) teaching, um, and what it does to students. Uh, but yeah, my, my middle ground, um, was, 
uh, getting out of high school, socially transitioning, being very scared, but being like, you know, th- this, this is who I am. This is what I need to do. I don't know anybody else yet, you know, really who's, who's doing this. Um, trying really hard to find community. I found a trans-affirming therapist who was one of the only ones uh, that I could find in all of Illinois below the Chicago area. Um, got taken in by a really cool burlesque troupe and started performing and doing that. Um, started trying Were you to, doing burlesque? Yeah. Yes. Yes, actually. I did do burlesque. Awesome. Um, I, I did burlesque and I did um, uh, stilt walking. And I did acting and I am a fire performer. So I would do, I would like take my clothes off and like breathe fire at the same time. Um, I actually know totally what you're talking about. <laughs> I too can still walk and was briefly. Oh in my the God. Surface. Plus I have a ton of friends who are burlesque performers. That's so, so cool. yeah. Yeah. Did you ever I, go to a loft in Chicago? A loft circus? I arts? was there. I toured with them for a bunch of years. What did you? And I was there like in-house ringmaster oh in wait was this was this when they this was when they were doing um it was like when they were in the west loop and they were doing el circo chipo yeah right i um and before they moved to the church that they're now in yes i um yeah those are those are my friends uh and i i totally worked with them for much years they taught me how to still walk and that's so cool. Uh, Aloft Circus Arts was also definitely part of my like middle ground. I started oh really driving up to Chicago. <laughs> I started driving up to Chicago um, on a day off or on the weekends uh, to 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 train there. So I I started going. I actually yeah I started going there in 2011, I think or 2012. I don't remember which year it was. So I was like down in in central Illinois, and then I would take I would take my free time, go up and train, and then come back. Um, I was so desperate to get. I really wanted to do circus training as well, in addition to acting, because for a while I was like, do I want to, for a while I was like, do I want to work for Cirque du Soleil um, or, or do some, or do something like that? So, so wait, so we have more crossover now than I, that's so cool that I realized. So yeah, circus was part of my middle ground too. Um, circus burlesque, you know, theater friends, um, uh, trying really hard to find. Yeah. Like, like I people. bet we know all the same people actually. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it's, I mean, my experience of being in standup in Chicago was like that. I definitely was part of the standup scene and like did standup shows, but there were no queer people and like n- nobody, there was like, and like, no, there was like no gender fuckage going on. There was, there were no queer people. It was like truly like, it was like straight cis dudes. Like that's who was doing stand up at that time. There were some like cis women, um, straight cis women, like, you know, but it was still this vast majority. So like in order to find community, even though like I was part of the stand up scene, like in order to find community, I really went outside of that. And I like was sort of friends with like the weird art queers. So like anybody who was doing like a salon type performance or anybody who was like an actor, but also was in the roller derby and anybody who was in the circus, just, yeah, like, I mean, lovingly the freaks, you know, because that's that's what I was, too. Right. And like in the thing in the thing that I was doing to make money, I was a freak there. And so I think I went and found like, where is everybody else? You know, and yeah. I, that's so. So outside of like, you know, performing at like a stand up club like Zany's, I was also performing. I was like doing everything. Um, and that was actually a really nice time. Plus my sister's a dancer and I was dating dance. So it just was like a very like 
modern dance, circus performer, like everybody, it just was, it was like a big group of people who all felt like there was like some overlap. And a lot of it was um, just stuff I couldn't find elsewhere. I'm like so grateful for for that group of people. Um, too. It sounds like we actually. I love that we have this weirdly overlap. Of, by the yeah, same, yeah. That's so cool. Mm-hmm, yeah, I mean the the folks that were that community at Aloft, they were like when they took me on tour with them, and they were very affirming of like not just that I that they thought I was funny, but like that whatever was going on with me was okay. You know, like in every way, you know, they're like mm-hmm. comfortable with their bodies in a way that I am still working on because they're like training all the time. They're basically just like nude, um, tra- changing clothes, you know, and there was just like a different thing there that I saw and like a different level of acceptance. It actually really changed my life. I would say that my experience at Aloft really changed my life too, just in the sense that I was like, go starting to go there was really was it really felt like I was I was taking my like artistic path really really into my own hands because I was like not just you know doing like the normal school thing I was actively seeking ways you know to grow whether it was something about my brain you know or my body and also it was just it was just really nice to meet a lot of a lot of people who just looked different, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Wow. I'm, I miss, yeah. I miss training a lot. It's been really hard to like, not, I, I also have gone to, um, I've trained at circus. I think it's circus warehouse in Los Angeles. I think there's a place called, I think it's a place called circus warehouse in Los Angeles or LA Cirque school or something like that. I don't know. There's some place in LA that that's LA Cirque school. Circus warehouse is in New York. Um, yes, actually. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Advertisement for for circus schools in Los Angeles and New York. Both the places that I've been to are great. Right. During that time in my life, because there are people who are training in every city, when I would go on the road with them, we would like hang out with the people who um, did the same thing in New York or L.A. or whatever. And then for a brief period of time, I was like working with a circus company in Seattle. I mean, I will just say that I don't think... I don't know. Stand up wasn't very nurturing for me yeah. as a community. So it was cool to have this other group of people that were doing different artistic um, endeavors. When you were at. To like have all the pieces. Yeah. When you were there too, like, did you have something that you liked like training in? Like, were there what, like, what, cl- like, were there classes that you were like, yes, I want to do this? I mean, this is so wild. They like, I mean, like, I tried, I like tried to do tumbling or like get up on the trapeze and stuff, but um, I really just mostly like wore a costume. They put wild makeup on my face and like a ton of glitter. And then I would like tell jokes. So I was really doing stand up. I would do it while they were changing the rigging because oh, yeah. Um, yeah. all the places that I was working, would be like a one ring circus, not like a three ring circus or whatever. And so they would have these gaps in the performance where they needed to like take down a type rope and put up a trapeze or whatever it was. And so I would go out and yeah, I would tell jokes or like interact with the audience. Um, And it was great. It was great training as a stand up because I had to be like funnier than the giant spectacle that was happening behind 
behind me yeah. while they were cha- changing this stuff. But you were doing like actual classes with them. Yes. Yeah. I did trapeze and I did silks. And then for a little while I did sear wheel. And then I yeah. started doing straps, which is my favorite. That makes sense. Straps is totally my favorite. <laughs> yeah. And but you're not doing that anymore because of other work stuff. Uh, I wish that I could be doing it right now. I haven't just because of the pandemic and mm, right. if, if, <laughs> right. yeah, right. if, yeah. if like, n- like more normal acting work, non-circus work is like really busy. Um, sometimes I can't train for a while, but I've been trying to figure out how to prioritize things in a way that allows me to have some specific time in the future to do training. Um, because I just, I just love it so much. And one of the first classes that I took, I think it was when I was like 19, there was somebody in the class who was 64 or 65 or 66 who had been taking silks and trapeze for a few years. And he was a runner, but he was in a spot where he wasn't really able to do a lot of running anymore. And so he had switched to doing a lot of different kinds of circus trainings as his, as his body would allow. And um, I was like, this is so cool. Like, you know, circus is a type of physical activity that, you know, that I could, you know, do when I'm 50, you know, I could do when I'm 60. Like, it's just something that brings me joy and is fun. And it's fun to think about acts, whether or not I perform, uh, because it's really, really hard to get a job doing that. Um, But yeah, I definitely want to be able to prioritize trading uh, whenever I'm able to. It's, It's just so much fun. I love it so much. Yeah. I mean, it also, I don't know. I'm, 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 it makes sense to me based on the story that you've told me so far about your life, that this would be very appealing to you because for me, I will just say, I'm like using my own experience to, but for me, it was also a place where there was just like a lot of different, um, again, I would also say this is true of dance and my experience with like the specifically the Chicago dance community, but in both of those spaces, there was just, there was like stuff going on in terms of gender expression that I hadn't seen before. Like people who were like very beautiful and graceful and also very muscular or very like wearing a lot of makeup, but fully identify as like a straight cis dude, you know, or whatever it is, like Mm -hmm. just the things that I was seeing. And in terms of my feeling like a weirdo, in a lot of times in my life, I just think it was, yeah, it was very healing to sort of be around people who didn't necessarily, like I lived with a hair hanger for a while. My roommate, Laura, was hurt. She hangs from her hair. Yeah. Um, And, you know, she was like very sort of, I think what we would traditionally describe as like feminine, although she wore like old timey clothes. (laughs) Um, But she also was like so jacked, you know, like, like, very and way taller than me and um anyway i just think it was very cool for me to see all of that stuff going on and just feel like it like the fact that every the fact that i like had sort of like rocks our hair at the time but like fully was queer but then also like really wanted them to put lots of elaborate makeup on my face like they were all into that they thought it was cool and like they also wouldn't have done it if I didn't want it, you know? And that yeah. was not something I was getting a lot of other places. Yeah. God, I, yeah, I'm thinking about like... Does that resonate? You no, know, yeah. It, 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 it does in the sense that like there were certain things that I was, 
Yeah, yes, it does. It does resonate. There are certain things that I was not getting in school uh, and not getting at my place of formal training. I don't know if that's the formal training or something like that. Um, There's stuff that I was not getting at my school. And so getting to go for me, getting to go and like perform it at, at, you know, bars um, and, you know, do a lot of like, like weird, you know, freaky, like more, you know, transgressive stuff was definitely something that I was like, I need this. Like I, I, you know, I need an education. I want to be an actor, but I need, I like need in my heart, like need this, need this weird shit. Um, yeah. yeah. And it, de- yeah, I, I feel that. Yeah. It sure. definitely was the place where I felt I could express myself the most as well. You mentioned for a second conservatory style training, um, which I'm a little familiar with. My little sister went to DePaul. Oh, yeah. And then, and yes, and then stopped going, actually, because she didn't like the it just, conservatory. just wasn't working. Yeah, I think I think it felt, like, very stressful for her in a way that was, like, not super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, what was your experience? Very competitive, isolating? This is what I have heard about that. Yeah, it was, like, you know, class you know, four or five days a week. That was like really, really early. And I, I was very fortunate in the sense that I got cast in a show nearly every single semester, but that meant that I was, you know, getting up at seven thirty to do class until one or three, then I would go to work and then I would have rehearsal Monday through Friday, seven to 11, and then would have rehearsal on Saturdays you know, from 10 to two or two to six and then would have to go to work. So it, for me, it was just like, I think a lot of the other students didn't have to work, but I had to. So I just, I was just really, really drained and sometimes was probably just not even awake, not even awake in class. And I was the only trans actor in the program. And at that time, some of the professors did not even know what to do about that. And sometimes they said things that were like, not good to my face. <laughs> um, uh, so it was, it was, it was kind of an intense experience to me. Uh, I, I, and I almost didn't make it through school um, as well. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but I did somehow. So yeah, yeah, it was just really, it was, it was stressful. And like, you know, looking back, it it didn't really give me room to explore a lot of other things. And I didn't really learn anything about film in college because my school was primarily a Shakespeare school. Um, But I had limitations because of money and things like that. So I was just doing the best that I could, but I was exhausted. And if I could go back and pick, pick someplace, I probably would have, have, probably would have picked some, some other sort of place, but I'm very grateful for my education at the same time. Um, but yeah, I, I probably yeah. would have gone somewhere that would have allowed for a little bit more, uh, a little bit more flexibility because this place was just like, you're training to be an actor. Um, yeah. And that's kind of it. Yeah. I, I, to- I actually did. Right. I mean, I saw somebody go through this process. Like she just ended up transferring and going to a different type of school. And I, th- I thought that was very brave, you know, like, I don't think in, I don't think when I was at, 
uh, in college, I would have had like, like at my college, it was not working for me. And I stayed and was just like, finish line, you know? So it was very, it was very mm-hmm. impressive to me that she had, um, that she had the guts to take care of herself and, and she moved somewhere else that was like a great fit for her. And then has had a very different life because she made that choice, you know, not to stay and like sort of overcome. I'm so, I'm so in the stay and overcome that that's very impressive feat. If somebody can just yeah. decide not to do that, that's so cool to me. Um, but I, I also, I, I was, you know, I was thinking about what you were saying and it's like, yeah, I mean, I would imagine, I mean, you're, you know, you're as an actor, you're somebody who's like originating a lot of trans roles. So I don't even know in the, cause you said it's a Shakespeare's book focused conservatory. I'm maybe not assuming you're doing like monologues from <laughs> contemporary television, but, um, but what, what was there on offer in terms of the types of roles that you were doing? Was that what, how, how did that look? And then I guess moving to Chicago, like how did that change? What, you know, I think I think beyond the like TV stuff that, you know, maybe listeners are more familiar with what was what was happening in college, what was happening in your early career? What kinds of roles are we talking about? Well, if it is Shakespeare, I usually um, <laughs> I usually am a fairy or like a magical mm. creature of some sort because they, you know, it, that's just people are still very much like, ooh, gender nonconforming. That means you're they don't know what to do. And I'm like, great, yeah. okay, all right, fine. Um, so yeah, so I I w- did I did um, earlier career stuff was like doing Puck in Midsummer Night's Dream, and I was like Ariel in The Tempest, and I um, was one of the witches in Macbeth, and God, what else? I'm like trying to even remember. Oh, um, my first year at this uh, at the University of Illinois, we did the show 44 plays for 44 presidents, uh, which was, uh, part of at the time, what was called too much light makes the baby go blind. And now it's called the infinite wrench at the neo-futurists. Um, so we did a neo-futurist play. That was the first thing that I did. And you kind of just got to be yourself and then you played a ton of different characters. Um, and then I did Shakespeare and then did like weird, I think I did a weird musical where I, was kind of like a circusy sort of, you know, character that the director put in because uh, uh, there was there was one professor that I was really really scared of in school, um, and uh, uh, eventually he came around and he was like, oh yes, okay, you're trans, you're gender nonconforming, I get it. Like I want to you know help help you try to feel seen in these shows. Like I get it. Um, so yeah, Shakespeare, those things that I just said, and then. Uh, I kind of just played a different kind of character in every show that I was doing, which was really fun. And I was, I was definitely inspired by the idea of like, how can I do something that's really, really, really different from the last thing that I did? Um, so I did like period stuff. Uh, the show that I did at Goodman, I actually played, uh, I played a female character, um, which I don't know how that happened. It just happened. And so I would like jump back and forth between genders and then go to a Shakespeare play um, and would always try to get something that like involved me wearing heavy makeup because I also love like character work, you know, and shit like that. Um, yeah, it was really all over the place. Honestly, I would do this kind of gig and this kind of gig and this kind of gig and this kind of gig, gig. Um, and then, uh, I don't, I didn't play any 
roles specifically that were like, this is a trans person. I think that the first time that that really happened was when I got into TV, actually. Um, I would just say sometimes like this character is trans because I'm deciding that this character is trans because I'm playing this character, but breakdowns for plays, you know, didn't have gender breakdowns like that. Now there's a lot more or a handful. Um, but I kind of just did whatever I could get my hands on. Does it, how does it feel to then move into roles that are specifically written as trans characters? Sometimes it feels like a lot of pressure um, because of where we're at with representation and booking the gigs that I booked did things like changed my social media. And sometimes when I go on a walk, somebody will recognize me and it's all been, you know, it's, it's all actually been a little bit, uh, a little bit intense. And I want to, I want to represent, you know, my community well, but like, I also want to feel I also want to feel the freedom to like be an artist and I also want to play good characters. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been stressful and, and a really awesome change, but at times a really, really difficult change. And sometimes I've been very resistant to receiving, uh, the attention, um, that I've got that I've gotten on occasion from the work that I've done more recently that has been more commercial. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially I'm imagining something like work in progress because it was shot and then takes place in Chicago. And then that's where you live. I, <laughs> I would assume there's like some extra, um, sort of focus or, or light on that in that city. You know, because because I'm sh I'm sure many Chicago queers watched that show to feel like, oh, this is our scene, and then you live there, and then you're a character in the show. <laughs> so that's that's very meta. Yeah, it's a little um, trippy. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a little trippy. I mean, not not really as I mean, the past year has been really weird and different because nobody's been outside and everybody's wearing masks. Um, for me, at times, it's kind of been like, yes, I'm in disguise. I can just like go on a walk and like nobody will know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can, I, I think that, I, I think that that leads me to say that this, this more commercial work has helped me understand that I can be a little, I, I can really, really be very shy uh, sometimes, um, which is not something that I necessarily understood about myself. Uh, but, but yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Um, yeah, I've kind of just had a very intense career and college experience that has just been like, go, 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 go. And now I'm like, oh, okay, stop. But everything's still like going. And um, has that been true during the pandemic? You've been still having that go, go, go? Uh, pandemic actually has been kind of slow. Um, you know, for a while, everything was shut down. Everything was shut down. And then I had a death in the family and it was really, really hard. Um, and I, hear that. thank you. Um, I, I think that it, it was difficult because I was so used to being so busy all of the time, uh, that I sometimes don't know 
what to do besides it's like, I, I don't know what to do besides work because I've been really, really, really busy and I've made myself really busy. Um, and now I'm at the spot where there's more options that I have. Uh, and you know, if I want to write something or make something myself, it's a little bit easier for me to do that. And, and there's been a huge transition that I feel like I've been going through in the past year where it's like, I don't have to say yes to everything anymore. But my body is like, you got to say yes to everything. You got to make that paycheck. Like you got to like pay your rent. You got to do this stuff. Um, and there's a, there's a survival mode that I think it's been really hard for me to get out of, uh, because of, you know, experiences that I had, um, you know, growing up and, and earlier on professionally and in college. And, um, you know, like I, I, in, in 2016, I was homeless for a while while I was also going to rehearsals, you know, full time, um, so it's, 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 it's been a really going to be honest. It's been, it's been a difficult year. You know, I've also been kind of sick and had to, you know, recover from that and, and, um, uh, and have really been thinking about my career in a way that's long-term that I don't think I had the privilege to think about, um, before. So yeah, it's been slower. It's been weird and hard and I'm kind of just trying to move through it and get a lot better at, you know, writing my own things and, you know, not just saying yes to every single gig, which is really, or every single opportunity, which is really hard. Um, yeah, that's kind of a messy way of saying hard year, lots of things to transition through, moving through it. Um, excited that some things are opening back up and, uh, really trying really hard to think about, like, if I could do anything, what would I really, really want to do? Um, and a lot of that involves things like science fiction and horror, uh, which I haven't had a lot of opportunities to do yet, but I would love to move in that direction. So is the, is the, um, is the next horizon this, you, you know, you mentioned writing something a couple times. Is that, is that what you, is that where your mind is at right now in terms of that science fiction and horror oh, yeah. jump or Totally. Um, I, I have like, like five or six different projects that have like a certain amount of pages in them. Um, and I've been trying to teach myself how to get really good at screenwriting in the past year. Um, I also am trying to write a children's book at the same time. I'm kind of just like trying to get really creative, um, in the free time that I have. So, yeah. Yeah. And I really want to write queer shit. You know, I, I want to write, I want to write roles that are like really, really good and juicy that trans actors can be cast in where they literally just get to like do a kick-ass job and not just be like, I'm the trans person, which is still something that's happening a significant amount in television and film. It's been a lot of progress, but there's been a lot of not progress. Um, so yeah, I, and, and I've really just been thinking about like, what's, what's a certain thing that, that I, would want to be in myself, you know, what sort of, what's, what sort of thing is like a role that might not be available to me because of where we're at with casting, but is something that I really, really, really want to do because, you know, I should, I should be able to do it. Um, a lot of writing, a lot of yeah. learning how to write, a lot of trying to, you know, mature in that way. Um, cause some, some of, some of this, this transition, I'm at this point where I definitely have been doing some kicking and screaming in regards to like, ah, no, I want everything to be the same. My life's been a very specific way for a certain amount of time. And, 
you know, television kind of felt like a huge curveball for me um, because I I booked the politician with having some minimal experience in TV and film, not not any experience in TV, minimal experience in film, a little bit of experience in web series, uh, but most of my experience was coming from auditions and learning at every single uh, every single opportunity that I could um, that I could take. And what was it like then, you know, starting to do TV? Scary. Just because you're saying, <laughs> yeah, it was really well, yeah. overwhelming. It was super overwhelming. Um, the working on the politician happened really, really quickly. It was like, for some reason, it was like a four day process of like auditioning and then getting an offer. And then three days later after getting an offer or two days later, I had relocated to Los Angeles and just started working. Um, and I was super intimidated. I had a lot of experiences with imposter syndrome because I was around people who'd been in the industry for a long time, who were already really famous, you know, or like I was like sitting next to Jessica Lang, you know, on a lunch break. And it was like, ah! um, it was, it, I definitely felt like, uh, felt, felt out of place at times and just was so anxious. I like, didn't know how to ask questions. Um, sometime. Uh, yeah, it was really scary. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a lot, I'm a lot, I'm a lot more used to it now, but when all of it happened really quickly, I was like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. Yeah. It was overwhelming. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, (laughs) that's how it was for me. I feel like I, I, I mean, maybe because it was in your mind as something that you knew you wanted. I think for me, I like, I actually didn't think I would ever get there. I was like, ah, how would there's, I didn't see any, I was like, nobody looks like me. I don't think I'm like the right thing for this. So this will not happen. Um, and then when it was started happening, it was just, I mean, I still am sort of trying to wrestle with like, how do these other people <laughs> seem to feel fine about this? Um, but you know, cause I think it, yeah, it was really overwhelming. And I think, I think a lot of what I was doing at the time was like pretending that it wasn't overwhelming. Really good. Really yep. good classic. I definitely, mechanism. yep, definitely did that too. I was like, this is fine. Uh, and it was like, no, you should, you should, you should talk about how you feel overwhelmed and how you feel alone. It's totally okay. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's, yeah, I, I totally, I totally feel that way. I guess for me also, you know, I'm thinking about like the number of things that I showed up to and was like, being written into something because they like they wanted there to be a queer person here but like boy was this a weird thing i had to say or <laughs> yeah or whatever and some of that i was even kind of fine with because i was like i got a job I, or at least I i'm see, here yeah, i got a job and also like i see that you're trying like i don't mm-hmm. think you're trying to be terrible yeah um sometimes you know then eventually getting to a place where i could like give some feedback or whatever um it sounds like that's right where you are, you know, is in this place of like being able to maybe give some feedback or, or create your own opportunities. That's a huge shift. Um, Yeah. Or like understanding. And part of it is like understanding that we had the power to do that all along, but like, we didn't know because of the like sheer lack of representation, you know, and like the unique position that like queer performers are in, where it's it's like is this person going to be receptive 
to feedback because some people yeah. might not be, and then they might take it personally that you think the line that they wrote about a queer thing doesn't feel accurate. You know, it's, 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 it's definitely, you know, so, you know, we had the power to do that all along, but also it's just hard. It's hard to navigate because for me, it's like, I don't, I don't know how somebody's going to react, you know? And I, and I also believe that people's hearts are in the right place, you know, and some people yeah. really are trying. But, I'm curious, like, yeah. I don't know if I feel that way about every situation I've been in because, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I feel like sometimes it's like the gap in understanding has been so large that in order for me to like, <laughs> in order for me to get this person to where I am, like, it's like, there's so much work to do. I, I'm thinking about like, there's even something going on right now that I'm involved with where, where there's like. I'm, it's like a group of people that are trying to decide what to do next as mm -hmm. a unit. <laughs> and, and some of the people are um, like straight cis dudes who are trying to use their, they're like saying out over their faces, like, I'm trying to use my privilege to speak, to like help the group, but they don't know that like, oh, wait. A thing that needs to happen then is that they need to constantly check with everybody else, because if you're somebody who's used to speaking, you might not even realize that everybody else is going to be like a little quieter inherently because they're not used to being listened to. So it's like it's been funny watching this group evolve over time. It's like this sort of uh conglomerate of people and to watch like which voices have risen to the top it's like the voices that you would think even though there's a lot of different people represented the voices that you'd think are the ones that are speaking most consistently and it's be i think it's because it's like exhausting at the end of the day for me to be like no no like you have to stop and check with us like you can't just go on to the next thing and anyway i just have, i'm just been thinking about that a lot lately like yeah. the um, how hard it is even to move past the stuff that you're talking about because it like just involves so much extra labor and like, um, do I even, am I even always able to, to close that gap? Not just like with my own energy, but like with somebody else's experience, you know, yeah. like how much explaining can I really do if somebody is like at a zero? Yeah. So a lot. Yeah. So maybe get I, them short up. That's making me think that maybe, maybe me saying we had the power all along is me being really, really optimistic and hopeful. But what you said <laughs> is like more, more the reality. Um, I, I am hopeful I that know. I'm actually able to speak up in every sort of situation. Uh, but it's hard to determine if people are going to be receptive or not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Theo, I have loved talking to you. Same. I've loved finding out how much we have in common. Yes. That's it's hilarious. <laughs> um, I love that we have a loft, a loft of origins. That's so awesome. Yeah. And we probably, and we do definitely, we probably have so many mutuals. Um, absolutely. That's so cool. Um, before you head back into your day, I wanted to ask you to shout out a queero, which is just like a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you could be who you are today. Oh my gosh. Um, there's a YA author named Julie Ann Peters who wrote a book called Luna. And it is about, it's told from the point of view of the younger sister, but it is, the story revolves around a 17 year old trans woman, uh, who, um, 
still has to go to school dressed as the gender she doesn't identify with during the daytime. Um, and it's, it's, it's a story about how she kind of like eventually gets to escape and go to the city and transition and live her life. Um, and it's a book that I read when I was 13 and it directly showed me that medical transitioning was okay. If that's something that you're interested in and, you know, showed me that you could move on and go live a fabulous life somewhere else. Uh, if you are a trans person. So thank you, my queero YA youth or Y YA author Julianne Peters. <laughs> um yeah. Uh, one of my beautiful. first. Yeah.